Hey everyone, I know it has been a while, and I'm very excited to bring you a new episode of my podcast. I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity to share my feelings about the overwhelming loss of life in Gaza. Over the past nearly 60 days as of recording this, the Israeli government has carried out the murder of at least 15,000 Palestinian people, including over 6,150 children. Thousands are still missing under the rubble of carpet bombing, and over a million Palestinian people have been displaced without access to basic necessities, food, shelter, water, and are in a constant state of fear for their lives and the lives of their loved ones. I am heartbroken by this humanitarian crime being carried out by the Israeli government, and with the support of the government of the United States. As a white American woman, I recognize my responsibility to educate myself, take accountability where it is due, and stand up for those who are both marginalized and experiencing oppression. On my Instagram, I will include links to sources where you can access your local representatives, donate, and stay updated on the current happenings. There are some great resources out there with information. I will make sure to provide you with those. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome everyone to the next episode of Fat Girl Speaks. My name is Tara and my special guest today is Wendy Welsher. She is the founder of My Jam and Joyful Inclusive Movement. Wendy, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about you and what you do. So what is Joyful Inclusive Movement? It is an online platform that has been designed by marginalized instructors for marginalized folks. You'll see fat instructors, we have disabled instructors, we have all shapes, sizes, yeah. colors, we have the rainbow. I love that, I love that. Um, in its definition, what exactly is Joyful Movement? The definition to us is just finding joy in moving your body, no matter what it is. Okay. Um, as long as movement is movement, there's such a wide definition. And that's why like, I like using the term movement versus exercise, because exercise, one, because of shitty ass diet culture, but um, <laughs> it is embracing how your body moves or just moving your body. There's different things that bring joy to you. Like yeah. it, it may be lifting weights. It may be dancing one day. It may be doing yoga. It may be house cleaning. It may be gardening. Like the broad definition of movement is so broad that just doing stuff that you enjoy mm -hmm. will bring you joy. That's so true. So it's like celebratory movement. It's celebrating like what your body can do for you. Yes. That's so interesting. So those things are are fairly new to me, both joyful movement and body liberation or fat liberation are things that are relatively new. I feel like within the last few years, I've been more accustomed to what that actually means. And I think that joyful movement and body liberation kind of come hand in hand, hand in hand. <laughs> they go hand in hand. <laughs> so I'm hoping that you can also touch on like what body liberation means to you personally. Oh, oh yeah. Um, it is basically celebrating what your body is capable of doing that day. For example, like with what I do with my clients or in the class, we just tell, or on the platform, we just tell people to just show up and then we can adapt to whatever mood you're feeling that day. So if you're feeling mad, sad, tired, angry, happy, joyful, jolly, 
whatever, just bring that and we can adapt the moves to whatever you do. But when it comes to body liberation, it is celebrating what your body can do. Like for example, nobody gives fat people credit for carrying around all that weight that we have for years. Like we have, I've just learned this, but fat people have better bone density because of all the weight that we are carrying around. That's so interesting. The gentleman who did my DEXA scan, that's what he told me. Wow. And so where we have our concentrations of weight. So like, for example, I'm pretty well fat all over. (laughs) (laughs) But he said like my bone density has been really, really good. This gentleman that was prior, he carried it primarily in his torso. His bone density was better in his torso than anywhere else on his body. So it's like built in strength training kind of in a sense yes (laughs) okay and that's the thing too like I've had people who let's say yes sometimes weight loss is a natural occurrence that does come but we are not focused with that like we are yeah anti-diet culture fat phobia we welcome every walk of life and I was talking about non-intentional weight loss how it may happen and people will note it I had a client who was lifting two 10 pound weights Mm -hmm. wow this is 20 pounds I can't believe I used to carry this around with me. We're used to it. He also looked at things like uh, there was a psychologist. There's a study that's out there. She is a psychologist that did a study on maids, like in a big commercial hotel. And they interviewed 61 housekeepers or maids. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what we, sh- I guess, housekeep. No, it's not a house. Room cleaners. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Housekeeping. 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 Yeah. Say, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. I think that's right. <laughs> but most of them, out of the 61%, none of them felt that they were active. They did not participate in any extra workout, quote unquote, workout or exercise routine or anything of that sort. Outside of what they did Mm -hmm. cleaning. Okay. And she, the psychologist was dumbfounded that the housekeepers did not think that what they did was considered movement. Like they're lugging, carrying. Yeah. um, They're doing like all the functional movements, you know, squatting, uh, getting down on the floors, pushing, pulling, twisting, walking. Like I think about that every time I stay in a hotel, I'm like, dang, they really have to get everywhere to clean this place. I feel bad. Like a lot of work. so, So with this, study she took half and half and she took half of them she educated them like this is considered movement and it was just changing that mindset just a little bit and then of course here was the placebo group and what she found at the end of it was that people in the educated group or like with her education they ended up not being as tired they became a little bit more joyful some of them may have lost some intentional weight but even just changing their thought pattern just like with those micro changes, it can completely change how your body reacts to movement. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a really cool, I thought that was cool, but I'm also learning too, like I'm working with a sports psychologist, Dr. Nate Zisner. I work with him one-on-one because I'm a competitive master's Olympic lifting athlete. I've seen that. That's so (laughs) impressive. That's really cool. Like that's my joyful movement Mm because I feel badass. (laughs) You look badass too. (laughs) And especially for my age, there's not a lot of older women that compete 
And yeah. so like, I've already meddled and I'm not even in my first year. January 1st will be like my one year anniversary. That's so cool. My friend Makayla <laughs> lives too and competes. Shout out Makayla. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure where she does. I kind of feel bad that I don't know very much about it, but she'll You'll have me. to connect us. I know I will. So I'll, I'll do that. Uh, I'll do that. She's really, really cool. She's a cool person. We've known each other since high school. We're actually not even just since high school. We were on the same cheer team in high school. And I ended up finding out at that point that we actually um, were on the same team when we were really little too. We were like eight or something. And so we oh, know each other a long time. Yeah, she seems to be doing really well. You know, you're talking about health promoting behaviors and how you can pursue those things without pursuing intentional weight loss. And I think this is the debate that I feel like it's a circular debate that I engage in. And I'm, I'm trying not to anymore online uh, just because it's really frustrating to have this conversation. But I'm wondering if you can enlighten me a little bit on sort of your personal experiences with weight stigma and anti-fatness, because I think that ties in a lot with why people believe that health promoting behaviors have to be with the intention of pursuing weight loss. Well, technically it comes down to systemic racism. Like if mm -hmm. we want to get like truly deep yeah. into this, yep. because it's the Eurocentric views that America was found on. Right. And then also too, I don't even know who made the BMI because it's horseshit. It was made in Finland, I believe it was, in 1832, yeah. like over 200 fucking years ago. Yeah. And I was just thinking about the fact that he wasn't a doctor. I forgot what his profession he was, a, was. He was a statistician. Uh, a, a statistician? statistician. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just trying to um, create an average size for the white male Yes, man. Like, he was just it, trying it, to create a standard for the size for uh, the white men. Um, yes. And only that. Yes. So like it didn't include women. It didn't include um, other ethnicities. No. It didn't include like now, too, we're seeing a bunch of fat phobia and weight bias um, amongst the trans community. Mm. And but the good thing is, is I feel that people have been a little bit more careful with the trans community. Like they just did a study. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't think I have. Top surgery. Like people don't have to lose weight to get top surgery. Oh, that's so interesting because I've heard that people experience a lot of struggle getting top surgery because of weight stigma because they're not oh yeah well that's of course like you're gonna get that through kaiser um oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm like you're just gonna get that through kaiser and unfortunately with kaiser in mental health and gender affirming care like you have to just completely advocate for yourself mm -hmm. i'm going through that now with them as tired they just want people to give up um wow. but that's on another we could totally talk about mental health and kaiser yeah one day. Um, yeah, I have my own stories about that too. <laughs> So my experience is that when I would get thinner, I got celebrated. Mm. Right? Oh my God, you're doing so good. But I've been on diet since, and my mom, I don't blame my mom whatsoever at all. I blame society and how basically the media, doctors, and like, I feel like media has controlled a lot of this right because they can turn and i'm sure it's all corporate money you know saying what is healthy quote unquote if we all ate the same if we all exercised the same we would still be different yeah 
Like there's no one size fit all whatsoever at all. And that people have always existed. Uh, The perception that it's a new occurrence simply because we're all just over consuming now is it's not true. (laughs) So, And maybe it even came like, you know, more so like with capitalism where we could even dive into that probably where Mm. you know in advertising and ads where you know like oh if i am that size maybe i'll find love or if oh i'm that size you know whatever that's such a real experience too it didn't matter how much disordered behavior i did i was still celebrated for it oh my gosh you're working out two and a half hours and you rode 30 miles today wow that's commitment you're really committed (laughs) that's just And I didn't realize afterwards till how, until I got like came clean with my eating disorder, like it completely liberated me. And Mm. I was like, holy shit, I look back at my behavior then, it was disordered, like a hundred percent. And so like going to the vast extremes of detoxes, of Mm. diets, of eating certain ways, over-exercise, like, wearing fucking what are they called girdles i wore it all the time all the time oh Oh, i was doing colonics all the time too like yeah i look back and i feel so bad for her i'm like damn i could never be that uncomfortable again i i just lived with being constantly uncomfortable (laughs) and like you're constantly policing yourself on everything you're putting in your mouth you're like oh my god oh my god nothing was really enjoyable like it even got to the point where i was like oh i have to do this or i can't go out or oh my gosh like no I gotta work out before I can do anything I made it my life and my priority where I didn't go out and really experience a lot yeah nothing matters beyond pursuing fitness at that point yeah yeah it's gonna be an uphill battle the entire fucking time my doctor at Kaiser didn't read my fucking file she told me that because um, I have airway restrictive disorder I have giant tonsils and a narrow airway she was like oh well you know you can lose some weight and it will get better excuse me <laughs> and then I was like do you know that I have an eating disorder she's like oh well maybe you could still restrict some calories and I'm like because at that time I thought 2200 was healthy but it's not like yeah. I'm with a dietitian now and with everything that I do, I'm eating 3,200 to 3,700. Like your body wants food and that's a whole nother topic. And it's really, really hard to reprogram it when diet culture has been ingrained since we were born. Yeah, and it's not like anything has really changed. For a lot of fat people and people who are pursuing body liberation, fat liberation, for us, it has changed because we've adopted a new way of being, but the world around us hasn't changed at all. And so you're constantly sort of trying to, you know, be present with yourself while navigating it. And simultaneously, you're dealing with the world doing exactly what it's always done and treating you the exact same way. And frankly, it's a mindfuck. It sucks. It sucks sometimes. There's like a freedom to it. Um, I feel so much more free in my own body now than I ever did. But I also feel like I'm going insane when I'm around other people. Even if it's like people in my own life, who I've been very honest about my journey with. It's just like, it hurts. And it also just feels like 
I tell you all of my, my experiences and you're still talking this way around me. If they're thin bodied, they don't see it as a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's just how their body is and they don't see it as an issue. I've even like talked to some of my friends about like, I'm all, this is really dangerous behavior that you guys are doing. And I'm like, your body needs food, just restricting or clean eating, whatever you want to say. But she's like, Wendy, I know it's not sustainable. And I was like, okay, well, at least you know that. That's a, that's a, a, a minor or win even with the boomers it is so ingrained in their heads it is and like i worry about like i have two clients who are 72 and it's really really sad for one of them they're making him lose 20 pounds in order to get his hip replaced and i also there's a there's another study that just came out too that intentional weight loss in elders increases their mortality rate and that was happening to my other client who she is now going under on the eighth of valve replacement but because she wasn't eating enough she was falling she had osteoporosis she broke her wrist and had to have surgery she broke her ribs she's a fall risk it's really really scary like to see older community where they're still trying to lose weight it is just making them more sick yeah and i've seen studies that talk about the protections that come with actually being fat when going through certain diseases too it's really just interesting how how backward it seems sometimes you know i've been lifting in the gym before and i've had someone come up to me and tell me that i shouldn't be doing this and i should just be focusing on cardio at this point in my weight loss journey and i was just like <laughs> i know right um and between that and you know fitness spaces not being accessible in and of themselves it just feels like it's a place that's not welcome. So I'm wondering for you, how do you combat sort of anti-fatness? And obviously you have a gym, I see it behind you. And so I'm guessing that this is where your clients will come to do exercises with you. Okay. So what makes your space beyond um, just providing different alternatives for workouts? uh, What makes this space more accessible for different types of bodies? It's a house, so it's safer. It's not in public. It's a public neighborhood but you're not in a commercial neighborhood that within itself is intimidating to show up it's not a big box gym it's no more than myself and maybe four people at a time if we do group training okay like i'm trauma-informed i've taken adaptive training size inclusive training so like my continuing education is more along my values okay and then also too like being a person that has experienced who did work in a box gym so to speak i didn't realize how and this was during my disordered behavior he was the first person that i told i didn't even tell my husband i told my boss about my eating disorder and the Mm -hmm. first thing that he said to me was well are you ever going to be able to weigh yourself again yeah wow and then um i didn't realize like my clients saw the fat phobia that was there and of course i'm a people pleaser because that's part of wonderful adhd and like i'm totally blind of it and i was like oh no he's got resting bitch face so like he just always looks angry or whatever and then i realized when i finally quit that was the best thing for me it was february 16th of 2020 next Mm -hmm. thing that happens lockdown i had all my clients covid was nice to me because it also allowed me to now also reach my community through doing virtual training too yeah so i have i've had international clients so from canada to ireland now one of them is in london and so that's kind of cool that's awesome yeah going international yes (laughs) 
But um, I didn't realize, well, I did, because there was even one time where he was doing videos for YouTube or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the main people, I wasn't in there as the trainer. It was just me and him. So like I couldn't be in with all the people. I was too fat. And then I also found out, too, that after I left, my buddy, who was manager, and then he quit, and then I quit two months later, I found out that the boss guy said, well, what are we going to do? Because he was leaving and I can't have Wendy teach all the classes. And I was like, bro, go like everything has worked out ever since I broke free from that toxic environment, like being my own boss, but then also like really being able to protect our clientele to the point of our community, like really been able to work my mission and create a safe space so that nobody has to experience what I've experienced. Well, that's really, really awesome. I've experienced so much stigma and I think a lot of it isn't even direct. You know, sometimes it's just these little microaggressions. People don't even identify them. But as a fat person, you're almost hyper aware of it because you experience it so much. And so it's really nice what you do. And I'm sure that there are so many people, fat people, non-fat people, you know, people with different accessibility needs that could benefit from having someone who understands. I wanted to open it up to you a little bit more and ask you if there's any additional information about your business that you would like to share? It will be my four-year anniversary for my jam, which is my movement coaching. But then my one-year anniversary, holy shit, I totally forgot. It was the 28th for gym, for Joyful Inclusive Movement. When I came up with Joyful Inclusive Movement, I didn't realize that it was a play on words, Mm -hmm. gym. Yeah, I had no idea my editor had to like point that out to me. And I was just like, holy shit, that's so awesome. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny. I love it. I'm presenting at FatCon. Oh, see, there are. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I love it. That's Uh, so awesome. Friday at 3.30 or 4.30. Okay. Uh, We're talking about uh, body image and body trust, how we can connect more with our body. Yeah. Better body trust through movement. And so people can get in contact with you. I'll put the links in all of the descriptions for the podcast of how people can get connected with you and learn more about your business and how you can help them with joyful, inclusive movement and getting movement in that meets their accessibility needs. The last question that I have for you is what advice would you give to someone who is afraid of stepping away from the regular gym or is afraid of going to the gym at all? Who's afraid of, you know, going into those spaces and doesn't really know how to pursue joyful movement? for themselves start at home get comfortable with getting to know you again whether it's just dancing whether it's just stretching or yoga Mm -hmm. just really get in tune with how your body moves be mindful of it because you'll notice that when you first start out maybe it doesn't move the way that you thought it would but you have to practice right yeah. you just keep practicing and that's what i also like to call consistency is practice just yeah. because it is a practice like learning to trust yourself is a practice learning to become you also become more aware of what kind of adaptations that you need what kind of accessibility that you may need mm-hmm. and do your due diligence if you are going to a big box gym if you can have your blinders on and just mm-hmm. go in and do you or if that isn't too intimidating find either an online community or find group training or a personal trainer that 
aligns with your values. That is the biggest thing too, like that liberation, body liberation, joyful movement, how they're all entwined, but those are our values. Mm -hmm. That's how we value ourselves and value each other. We want to support and encourage, but you also have to support and encourage yourself. Yeah. Like it, this is a lot. What I tell people is that not only is movement a physical journey, but it is a mental one too. Just because you're recreating the relationship with yourself and you're learning how to trust yourself again, because we get caught up in our minds sometimes because we're used to all the outside environment, you know, what's wrong and how it should be and how it's supposed to be one way, but it's mm -hmm. not, it's your way. You are in control of your body and know what's best for you. Thank you again to our special guest, Wendy Welsher. You can connect with her on Instagram at joyful.inclusive.movement. Click the link in her bio to connect, sign up for a live boxing class, pre-order the Fat Athletic Journal, see gym membership options, or get tickets to FatCon, where Wendy will be presenting on Friday, January 5th from 3.45 to 4.15 p.m. And also, your girl will be in a fashion show on that Sunday, so I look forward to seeing you there. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fat Girl Speaks. It's been an absolute pleasure.